Tracy and I have been talking about um, really how we do church, and I don't want to give you any <laughs> any hints yet, but we're really reevaluating how we do church because we're just really looking at Scripture, not just going by the American model of how church is because there's so much emphasis on Sundays. Um, and I just think it's it's life. I mean, it's it's everything. It's this. It's just family. It's just hanging out. Listen, if you're a Christian, and I hope that you are, <laughs> but if you're not, I want you to know that Christians aren't all uptight. <laughs> And they're not all stressed out all the time, and, and they, they don't hate you. Um, but if you are a Christian, I want to encourage you. Sometimes you can just hang out. I know that seems simple, but Jesus just hung out sometimes. He went to weddings. He hung out at parties. Um, it's okay to chill out a little bit. <laughs> so as, as, as simplistic as that may be, um, loosen up a little bit. It's okay. <laughs> we, we, uh, and me included, I'm preaching to myself, because we all get uptight sometimes, and we really stress out about things, and we want everything to go well, and we want to fix everything. And that's what I'm about to talk about, so I'm already getting into my sermon. I don't need to get into it yet. But anyway, I just want to encourage you in that. That's a side note. But this is, this is a community. This is a family. So what I did want to encourage you, that's what I was trying to get to. What I did want to encourage you is continue to pray for these people, but not only pray for them, check on them, call them, text them, Facebook them, see what's going on, make sure that they know that you're there um, because it makes a difference. It, it really, really does. So anyway, so um, yes. Just to get started, I would really like to compliment you on your 1991 DC. Thank you. I do what I can. <laughs> you can you can really thank Fred. Where's Fred? You can thank Fred because I, when I first started, I, I bought a few kind of fancy shirts because I thought I need to wear button downs and not t-shirts all the time. Maybe more appropriate. But uh, but then I bought also some. They were on sale because I'm cheap. But I bought some little boots or whatever, whatever. And Fred said you wore shiny shoes the other day, and I was like, I guess they were shiny. I didn't think they were that shiny. He was like, that doesn't really suit you. And I was like. Well, all right. I'll wear my blue shoes because I really like them. So you can thank Fred for thank you, Fred. So anyway, <laughs> thank you, Shane, for noticing. Uh, it's kind of, I guess it's hard to not notice. Um, they are bright blue. They're actually cyan is what I read because I was, I was looking for the color because it's my favorite color. Is that light baby blue or whatever? It's called like cyan. Who knew? Who? Malibu? That sounds even better. So. Bert. Bertha, I also have sunglasses that all my friends make fun of me and call me a hipster even though I don't own a pair of skinny jeans. I'm just, I'm chubby, so it may look like it, but I don't, I'm not a hipster, I don't think. Anyway, so, <laughs> speaking of, <laughs> yes, I do, I really like air conditioning. Speaking of, uh, speaking of air conditioning, um, ours is acting weird. It was, when we got home, it was really hot in there, and we've got a fancy thermostat that we've had for years that I love. Um, I won't tell you, so it's not like a plug, I'm trying to sell it. But it, it, it has like an auto away function. It has where we leave, it shuts or it goes down to a, to a different temperature to save us money. Um, and we love it. So I, I don't know if it was that or something else, but it had a terrible smell. And I couldn't even describe the smell when I tried to Google it this morning because it was like a, it wasn't because it wasn't a smell that I'm familiar with. It doesn't smell like anything specific, but it's kind of like a sweet, sour, terrible, horrible smell. <laughs> but it doesn't smell like mold and it doesn't smell. It smells kind of like something burning, but not like electronics burning or wire burning or fire burning. It's weird. Like, it was really hard to Google. But anyway, all I could think about, I had a hard time sleeping last night because I just want to fix, there's something wrong with me (laughs) that makes me want to really fix everything. Like, I really, really want to figure out why something is messed up. Um, And if you know me, I do that a lot. I try to help as many people. We talk, I talked to Daniel. He was having an issue with a starter. I'm trying to think, well, what could it be? And then um, just different things that I tinker with. I like, I really want to fix it. 
Like it really bugs me when I can't fix things. Um, and I think all of us, to some extent, are that way. We, we either want to fix other people's problems or we want to be fixed ourselves. Am I right? We, we, and a lot of us come into this place on Sundays and we say, and this is part of me trying to evaluate how we're doing church, but a lot of times church typically is, is sometimes a lot of group of people, a lot of group of people, does that make any sense? A lot of people will come together and want to be fixed. You know, how, how can I be fixed? Can you help me get my life straight? Or how can I fix this thing? And, and, I mean, how many of you felt like that before? Look, I just, God, I'm broken. I need you to fix me. There's nothing wrong with that. But I think that um, sometimes we can, we can look at things from the wrong perspective and think that God needs to fix certain situations for, for us to really know that he's there. And I don't think that's always the case. Um, I'm going to hang out with Peter walking on water. We talked a little bit about it last week. Um, but we're going to be back in Matthew 14, uh, 22, and we're going to go through that story again. But I, I really want to, I want to talk about specifically circumstances, situations that we find ourselves in. This one specifically is a storm. I'll try not to be too cliche, but he is there literally going through a storm. <laughs> There's no way around it. Um, a little backstory: These are disciples. Some of them pro fishermen. They're used to boats and used to storms, and they're terrified as they go through this. They are completely terrified. So I'm going to read through the story, and, and we're going to talk a little bit more about it. Um, Matthew 14, 22, verse 22, it says, Immediately he made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side. <laughs> he made them get in the boat and go ahead to the other side. While he dismissed the crowds. After dismissing the crowds, he went up on a mountain by himself to pray. <laughs> I think that's funny. Because he sends them off. It's like, okay, you guys go across there. I'll be over here. And they're like, what? Yeah, just go ahead. You're good. When evening came, he was there alone. But the boat was already over a mile from land, battered by the waves because the wind was against them. Around three in the morning... He came toward them walking on the water. When the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. Immediately Jesus spoke to them, have courage, it is I. And the, the original Greek is I am. And we're going to come back to that because it's really important. Don't be afraid, Jesus said. Yeah. Jesus said, Lord, if it's you, Peter answered him, command me to come to, the walk, to, come to you on the water. And Jesus said, come on. And climbing out of the boat, Peter started walking on the water and came toward Jesus. I love the Bible. He just completely flippantly said, yeah, he just wants to start walking on water. But when he saw the strength of the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand, caught hold of him, and said to him, you have little faith, why do you doubt? When they got into the boat, the wind ceased. Now, that's an important point, too, we're going to come back to. Then those in the boat worshipped him, saying, truly, you are the Son of God. Um... I just want to pray over this real quick. Father, thank you for your word. Father, thank you that, that you reveal yourself through it. Father, that it's not, um, it's some, it's not something that's, that's, uh, that's confusing and, 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 and you make it more confusing, Father, but you are, you are making it to simplify it for us so that we can understand it. Father, thank you for, uh, for your grace and your power and your love. In Jesus' holy name, amen. All right. Sometimes I've found in my experience, and probably you too, that, that when, when you are literally following Jesus, these were Jesus' 12 disciples, and they basically packed up and followed him when he said, hey, come with me. These are tax collectors, fishermen, regular people like you and me. And basically Jesus said, hey, follow me. And they, they were committed to following him, but they didn't quite get it. There was a period of time when they had all these really dumb questions, to be honest, and Jesus was very patient with them. And I can imagine he was going, come on, you silly humans. Why don't you get what's really happening here? But you have to look at their history and what they had come from, too. A lot of these were... were young Jewish men that knew the Torah and they knew kind of the history and they were looking for this Messiah and they were really dead set on that. And so anything past that they were having a hard time dealing with. 
And so when these miraculous things began to happen, they were really having to wrap their minds around them, as I think we all would. <laughs> um, and so, so as, we, as we move forward in this, this is who we're dealing with. We, these are dealing with people that are close to Jesus. They're there with him. He is with them. I talked last week about I would ride Kylie on the lawnmower, and we're so close that I can smell a shampoo on her hair. And that's what I imagine Jesus, that's how close he is with them. They're talking. They're eating breakfast together. They're hanging out. Like I talked to her, they're just, they're just fellowshipping together. Now, he's teaching them, but at the same time, they're doing life together. This is a small community of people that are moving and traveling and doing life together. And so it's, a very interesting, it's very interesting to see that as being very real. Now, because now we serve an, a basically invisible God, sometimes it's hard for us to see because we want, we want to physically touch and feel and see everything. So that when we go through things in the natural, all we see is that, is that's our reality. Does that make sense? All we see are the circumstances that are around us and the problems that we have and the, the brokenness and the hurt and the tragedies that we see. Um, and so we, we really, sometimes, me included, we struggle to see anything supernatural, anything spiritual, because we're so consumed with the things that we naturally see. Now, having said that, this dude's walking on water. <laughs> this, is, this is very much a reality to them. Like, this is happening. How many of you ever tried to work on water? To be honest. Have you ever tried it? I've tried, I'm serious. Fully clear. I've tried it before. Just, why not? I mean, after I got saved, I was like, well, I'll try. How many of you walked on water? I didn't either. No, no, it doesn't. It is water, but that doesn't count. So, um, but the thing is, all the water that I ever tried to walk on was flat. I've never tried to walk on stormy water, but I have tried to walk like on a pool just to, for the heck of it. Just pray, just pray real hard <laughs> to see if I can walk on water. You got to try it. I mean, it's worth a shot. Um, but but the fact that I think the fact that I don't know of any other record, and there may be some of record other people walking water. I don't really see that. I don't see it very often anyway, nowadays. But what I think, I think the reason why that is, the same reason I think uh, Peter left it out when he was telling John Mark, we talked about last week, is because that wasn't the point of the story. There was something bigger going on there. Now, here's where the questions start, my questions start. Why was there a storm, right? Why did Jesus send them out? He had to have known there was a storm. Did Jesus create the storm? Was it, was it him? All these questions begin to come up, Right? I mean, it seems like legitimate questions. Why would Jesus tell them to go and then leave them? Be like, hey, you guys go this way. He said he made them. Go. Well, what about you, Jesus? I'm, I'm going to go hang out on the mountain, but you guys go. <laughs> you guys go ahead without me. So there's a time when he wasn't even with them. So he, all these questions arise. Why did Jesus make them go if there was going to be a storm? Did Jesus cause the storm? And so here's what I found, and I, and I say this all the time, and I say it so much that I've forgotten that it really does have a deeper meaning. When people say good luck to me anytime, they're like, hey, good luck. I always say, I don't believe in luck. I believe in time and chance and divine intervention. It's the only two things I see in the Bible. <laughs> so either wish me good chance or <laughs> pray for me to have some divine intervention. Because that's, that's all the Bible says. The Bible says the rain falls on the just and the unjust. Um, we live in a fallen world. But there's also divine intervention where God turns over some of the, the natural laws that we see. He just flips them sometimes and changes things because he's an interactive God. We're in a relationship, right? And so this is, and, and here's a cool thing. And there's a movie. Oh, what was the movie we just watched? At the, uh, is it 10 Cloverfield Lane? Is that the name of it? Yeah, 10 Cloverfield Lane. And this is probably Offending Christians 101 because there's probably some bad scenes in it, but I don't care. But there, it was a really good movie. Um, very, very clever, well-written movie. But there's a part in there um, where, oh, I don't, this will ruin the movie. I can't tell you. I just thought about it. Spoiler alert. Um, oh, I can't tell you this. Okay, forget that. You'll watch it and come back and you'll know what I'm talking about. All right. Sorry. No, I don't want to ruin it. It's really the best part of the movie. 
You'll know, you'll know when you watch it after I talk about this. So, so anyway, we, we have tried to divide everything. We, we, it's like two things can't exist at the same time. For some reason, we can't, we can't think that Peter would doubt and have faith at the same time, right? We think if you're doubting, you're not having faith, right? Okay, what if it's storm season, right? What if it's just a, a west wind and it just happens to be the season that it's storming? But then Jesus sends them into the storm on purpose. Can that be? I don't see why not. I don't, think, I don't think Jesus has to create the storm, although God created in the beginning of time and he spun this universe into working and there's free will that we have and there's is, there is things that happen that are out of our control. Can we agree? I think we give God credit for bad things, but we never give him, a lot of times don't give him credit for the good ones. But the fact of the matter is we have free will and we still live in a fallen world, so there is still levels of sickness and disease and issues and storms that we deal with. We, we, we've got to realize that before we get past the whole one or the other thing. So I don't think, this is my take on it, and, and I don't think that Jesus caused that storm on purpose, but I think he knew that it was stormy season, and I think that he knew that they were probably going to run into a storm, and he said, well, I'll use this because why not? And so he sent them out into it. Now what's interesting is when he walked past it, it says in the scriptures, I don't know if it's in this account or one of the other gospels, it says he was going to walk past them. And I always thought that was funny. I was like, why well, was he going to walk past them? Like he didn't even care? <laughs> Come on, Jesus. But he was going to walk past them because that's a reference to, and, and these, like I said, were young Jewish boys that knew the Torah. They knew the first books, and so they knew that's what God did when he passed Abraham. I mean Moses, not Abraham. When he passed Moses, he passed by him. So that was, a, that was significant to them because he was God. Now this is a time when the disciples weren't sure that he was the Messiah. Now they, they were following him, and, but they were still questioning, well, what about this, what about this, what about this? And scholars believe that this was the moment. I'm skipping ahead of myself. Scratch that. I'm going to tell you in a minute. <laughs> so this, this, is, this is when he passes by and they go, okay, he's passing by. This is significant. And so they call out to him, hey, help us. We're in this boat. Well, then Peter, which I think is awesome, Peter says, which is really usually loud mouth and, and doesn't think before he speaks, says, hey, if it's really you, can, and he's got to be screaming because there's a storm, right? Hey, if it's really you, tell me to walk out and I'll walk out to you. And Jesus is like, all right, come on. And I can imagine Peter going, Oh, no. <laughs> this is really happening. And so I ask you this. this is the, the imagery that I get is, how would you walk on water? Like, if you were going to walk on water, how would you walk on water? Would you? Right? I mean, would you walk on water like that? All right, now think about this. I think that's what Peter was thinking at first. Like, it's Jesus. I'm going to walk on water. It's going to be amazing. And then, and then immediately, that worked out well. Then immediately, uh, immediately gets, he gets discouraged, right? Now think about this. There's a storm going on, like thunderstorm, like lightning and popping and different things like that. So imagine this is the edge of the boat, okay? Jesus is talking. Look, I've got sound effects. Jesus is, Jesus is talking, hey, come on, meet me out on the water. And Peter's going, all right, this is going to be great. <laughs> all right. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna do it. Okay, where's the Bee Gees music? Oh, oh, oh it's Jesus! All right, you kill the music. All right. Side note: When googling the Bee Gees, that song was released in 1977. That's when I was born. Doesn't matter, but I thought it was interesting. Also, that thunderstorm is 12 hours long, and I don't know why you'd want to listen to 12 hours of that. 
But what I read was it's either to help you sleep or get your pets past their phobia of thunderstorms. That's free. Does that have anything to do with what I'm talking about? But when I researched it, that's what I found out. All right, back to Peter. So Peter is really thinking like, I'm going to do this. This is really happening. And so can you imagine him stepping, right? I don't think he skipped. Like my kids, when I tell them, don't run, they're like, okay, I won't run. I'm going to skip, but I'm not going to run. I don't think he skipped on water, but I think, I think he took a step. And you can imagine waves and everything. And then he took another step. And he heard the thunder, bow, and the waves going. And he looked around, and Jesus is going, what do you doubt? And he's like, look around. Do you not see what's happening around me? But here's the interesting, look at the wording that he says. He says he began to sink. He didn't say he sunk. He didn't kabloop, go underwater. As he's taking a step, now imagine step, every step, with faith, supernatural, walking on water step. Here's a step. God's saying, come on. You're good. You're good. And then he gets distracted. Now, this is the, the cliche part that we've all talked about. We get distracted by the world and all of our worries, different things like that. Yeah, I, I believe that that's a good moral way to look at it. But there's, there's more going on here than just him walking on water and the distraction. Jesus, the Son of God, the living, the I am, is right in front of him, guiding him. Take a step, Peter. Come on. You got this. And, and a lot, I, I've read some scholars and some when I was doing the research on it that think that, that, uh, that Jesus was rebuking Peter for his doubt, but I think he was encouraging him. I think he was saying, hey, don't doubt. Look, look at me. Look who I am. Keep your eyes on me. This is, you're good. You got this. I think he's being encouraging here. I don't think he's just rebuking him because obviously he had faith because he stepped out of the boat. He's the only wet one here. <laughs> Everybody else is dry going, oh my God, are you seeing this? And so he's walking on water one step at a time and he begins to look away and he begins to sink. He starts to sink, but he doesn't sink all the way. And immediately says, he says, help me. And immediately Jesus grabs his hand and helps him. Now here's the part that I talked a little bit about last week. I didn't have time to finish. The storm doesn't stop there. This would be so convenient for Jesus to say, okay, shh, let's talk, Peter. But he doesn't. The storm's still going. Think about this conversation. Peter, why are you doubting? <laughs> Peter's going, can't we just hush the storm and get back to the boat and talk? No. Why are you doubting now? Right in the middle of the storm, why are you doubting me? I'm right here. I can smell the shampoo on your hair. <laughs> I don't think they had shampoo back there. I can smell the fish on your hair. <laughs> so I think, I think he's, he's, there's something bigger going on here. This is very supernatural. We're walking on water, so there's supernatural there. But Jesus is saying, I want to deal with what's going on with you right now in the midst of this storm. And it says they walked back. He held his hand, and he walked him step by step back to the boat. And then when they got back to the boat at the most inconvenient time, Shh, the storm goes away. Listen, in the midst, and, I'll, and I, I testify, I'll testify because I've experienced this. He, you will see God clearer in the midst of some of your worst problems Amen. in this world. Amen. And I'm not, <clears throat> I'm not suggesting, let me be clear on this too. I'm not suggesting because you know my heart and I don't, I don't believe that God puts it. I've never seen where God puts sickness on people or puts troubles, trials, tribulations on people. But he sure can use them. <clears throat> and so I think that some, and here's, here's another kicker that I just thought about too. Not only can he use them to identify and, and reveal himself to you, but he can do it for other people too. Think about yourself going into a storm. It's not about us. It's not even about walking on water. It's not even about Peter because when he told John Mark about this, who was his disciple, he didn't even mention the part about him walking on water. All he talked about was Jesus. 
because he was mature at that. Peter had actually matured a little bit at that point. And so if you think about this, there's something bigger going on here. And so if we, if we, take, if we take it off of ourselves, now here's what, what Christians will try to say. If you're in the midst of a storm, what did you do? Isn't that the, in our go-to? What did you do wrong to deserve this? You must have done something. It's you. <laughs> Don't read Job. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Job is awesome, but whew. But think of, yeah, same thing. What'd you, you must have done something wrong. It's you. But what is it that puts it back on us? It's not about us. Amen. But how many times have you heard people say, well, you must, you must be doing something wrong? Because this person, and, and we talked about this last week too, this person is doing great, and they're doing a lot of bad things. This doesn't make any sense. God, I'm doing all the right things, and these blessings come towards me, and they go, to this guy. <laughs> right? But what if, what if you're going through something so that you can help somebody else? I mean, we're, we're, like I said, when we're, we're looking at this church and how we're supposed to do this, I'm looking at how we can genuinely help people and affect people outside of these walls. Now, it's good to meet. I'm not discouraging you from coming. Please come every Sunday. But what I'm saying is, I think that there needs to be a little bit of a shift in church, the big C church. And I think there is some in some places, but I just see in Scripture something a little different than what I'm seeing in the American church. And so... We've, we've got to get our eyes off of ourselves. We have to. It's crucial to the gospel and to the ministry that we're trying to do here. It's not about you. And so when, when we go back to the story, okay, well, why are you in a storm? What did you do? I didn't do it. What did they, they just did what Jesus, Jesus said, go, and they went. Listen, if you think, I was talking about fixing things, you want to fix, fix me, please fix me. What if not everything that you're going through is, is something that needs to be fixed. What if you're there for a reason? What if it's not, what, and we've talked about this before too, what if, what if God is showing you that that person that is, is being a jerk to you at work um, needs someone to love them? Now I heard, um, I heard someone talking about in, in this whole step thing, what if, what if okay, uh, Lord, let me love this person for five minutes like you love them. If I can just get three minutes in, let me, okay, three more minutes. What does the Bible tell us about worrying about tomorrow or yesterday? Don't worry about yesterday. Don't stress out about tomorrow. There's enough to deal with today. This is what I think. This is what I think it looks. Let me, Gabe, can you come up here? We, Proverbs, wait, I have it somewhere. Proverbs 16.9 says that man makes his plans in his own heart, but the Lord guides his steps, right? There's nothing wrong with making plans. Um, let me give you something. Let me give you some plans. These are for 10 plans, Gabe. Don't read them like music. All right. So Gabe's got his plans, right? You, your, your plans are to, to, to go that way. I'm, I'm make, kind of making this up as I go. Okay, stop. <laughs> I didn't say go yet. <laughs> it's not your plans. I'll tell you your plans. It's messing up my analogy, but I'll tell you your plans. Shh. <laughs> So let's say Gabe has his plans and he's, 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 he's kind of plotted out his 10 or 15 year goals and he wants to do these things and, he's, and he does, okay, I want to go to this college and then I want to meet this person and marry and have kids. I'm, I'm just making stuff up, no more. Or I want to, you know, I want to do just anything. He wants to do all these things, okay? Does that make sense? We have plans and there's nothing wrong with plans. But then he goes and he comes, I'll be God in this scenario. So he comes to me and he gives me his plans and I'm like, eh, huh. Isn't that cute? 
That's so sweet. All right. Here. We're going to be close. You're so tall. I should pick somebody shorter. We're going to be close. All right. And, and, and I see your plans. Okay. But here, let me, let me help you. We're going we're gonna to take one step here. Okay? You all right? Yeah. You good? Yeah. All right. And we're going to take, take one more step over here. All right? You good? All right, and then we're going to take a step here. All right, and at this moment, Gabe's making an appointment with his pastor. Hey, I got plans, but something's happening and has messed me up right here, and I'm going a different direction, right? I, I'm, I'm kind of scared, <laughs> to be honest with you. There's a boat and a stinking storm I don't want to go out there. I don't want to go out there. That's, I mean, you heard the digital thunder. It's pretty scary. And so at this point, Gabe's really stressed out, right? Don't we stress out when things don't go our way? Because we have our plans. We, think, we, we want things to go our way. And then I tell Gabe, just take another step. Don't do it. I'm just kidding. <laughs> All right, you can go sit down. I'll, I'll finish it. Thank you, Gabe. Gabriel Turner. Gabriel Turner. The tallest person I probably could have picked. All right. So in other words, we want to be in control, right? <laughs> we want to know what's coming next. We want to think we have control. <laughs> and I'll tell you, the, the very first thing that got asked for when I got saved was the very last thing I wanted to give him, and it was control of my life. Now... The reason why I didn't want to give him control is because I didn't have a good representation of a father. And I was very um, defensive and angry, to be honest, with everyone for whatever reason. I thought everyone was bad um, and had some um, plot to do mean things to me (laughs) because that's what I saw a lot of people do when I was younger. And so this idea of submission, I don't even like, when I was writing some of my notes, and I'm trying to get away from staring at my notes too much, so I'm doing pretty good on memory. You're welcome. So, no, <laughs> so what I did was when I, and now I forgot what I was just talking about. Brilliant. So what I, what I did was um, when, I, when I began to write submit, that stung a little bit. And I was like, I can't say submit. That sounds so bad. I don't want to say submit. I don't want to submit to anything. We don't like that word and that idea. But here's the kicker. It's the difference between relationship and religion, really. Religion says, if I do these things, I will escape. Oh, that's another. I'll talk about that in a minute. I will escape condemnation or or, um, judgment. If I do these things, then I will fix the situation. But relationship says, especially with a good and loving father, I submit my plans to you, to your will. But the cool thing is, you don't do that to just anybody. (laughs) I'm I'm saying, people people are, are not perfect. But God is. And so when you submit your plans to God and go, okay, I want to go do this and do this and do this and do that, I think he thinks, oh, <laughs> that's so sweet. You have no idea the plans that I have for you. You have no clue. You're stuck in time and space, and I'm infinite. I see your beginning, your middle, and your end, and I know what's best for you. I made you. I know how you work. And so he says, okay, let me guide your steps. Make your plans. That's fine. But let me guide your steps. They may be a little bit different. They may, or may, they, may, they may change a little bit. But that, that, that has us giving up the control that we don't want to give up. Now, I listened to a sermon um, the other day, and it frustrated me because the pastor touched on a subject that I wanted him to really stay on a lot longer, and I didn't hear anything else he said because I was stuck on that. And I may dig a little bit deeper into it 
later on. But what he said was, um, it didn't have anything to do with what he was talking about, so was, I think it was whole, totally Holy Spirit. But he said addictions, and he, he used specifically like uh, pornography and different things like that. He said, I think pornography is less about lust and more about escaping. And that just clicked. I was like, whoa. And any addiction, I mean, he just used that as an example, is less about what you think it's about on the surface, and there's a deeper issue there. You want control of that. Nobody can tell me I can't, I can't have this. Nobody can tell me that I don't, you know, that this isn't beneficial to me. Nobody can tell me that, that you know, no, I don't want to give up that control, right? And so, but I want, to, I want to get away. I want to escape from my reality. I want to escape from my circumstances. I don't trust that God is good. I don't trust that there's, I could go through a storm. I, I, don't, I don't trust. I don't trust him. That's relationship. That's the difference there. We can't try on our own to escape the reality that we're in. We want to escape the reality that we're in. There's no doubt we're not made for this world, but, but we are in it for now. And so there is times when we want to escape it, but we need to escape it in him, and we need to trust in him. Because his joy is not laced with guilt and shame, and his, his peace is not laced with fear and, and frustration. He is better. He's better than your addictions. He's better than your problems. He's better than your storms and your circumstances. And he is good. I think about the, the, uh, the lion, the witch, and the wardrobe. I think it was the, the beaver was talking to Susan, and they were talking about Aslan, and Oh, I think he's a man. Oh, he's a lion. Oh, he's a lion. Mm, that sounds scary. Um, is he is he safe? <laughs> I didn't say he was safe. <laughs> Nobody said anything about safe. He's a lion, but he's good, Amen. and he is the king. Yes. <laughs> he is powerful, and he is loving. But nobody said anything about safe. <laughs> You, you may step into a storm, but the good thing about storms is, what? They pass. They end. I, I go back to the walking through the valley of the shadow of death. <laughs> you're walking through the valley of the shadow. You're, look, you're, you're scared of a shadow? <laughs> Are you afraid of a shadow? That's ridiculous. And you're walking through it. The same way storms, you're going to come through a storm. So in the midst of, of, of any circumstance and any issue or struggle you think you need fixed, and you think you can fix? Listen, I'm the, the world's, world's worst. I always, when somebody says world's worst, I always go, really? In all the world, you're the worst? Did you interview everyone? So I'm, I'm, the, I'm the world's worst at, at wanting to fix everything, mechanical and also relational. I want to fix things. And people get frustrated with me, because especially if they're not doing it quick enough or the way that I think they should do it. I'm that guy. Just let me see it. Just get out of the way. I want to fix it. <laughs> Just move. And so that's really difficult when you have girls that you want to teach to do this stuff because it, it takes time. And you're like, that's not a Phillips head screwdriver. This is a Phillips head screwdriver. This is how you turn it, lefty, loosey, righty, tighty. You can't just go, give me it, there, because you want to help and teach. So in the same way, when we walk with people in community, don't, don't just try to take everything away and fix it for them. Walk with them. Show them, look, this is what I went through. This is how the Lord led my steps this way. Here, let me walk with you this step. Five minutes. Lord, can I love this, this jerk <laughs> for three minutes like you love him? Just get me through three minutes. Okay, three more minutes. <laughs> can, I, can I do this? Can I walk with this person? Can I get through this struggle? Five more minutes. And listen, in 30 or 40 years, someone will come up to you and go, how in the world did you end up here? 
And if, you, if you're a, <laughs> a good churchgoer, you go, oh, well, I, I made these plans and I did this. To, to be honest, you'd be going, I have no idea. I have no idea. I have no clue. I took a step and I took a step and I took a step and I took a step. Listen, how did I end up here? <laughs> Think about, I mean, this wasn't, I mean, I always knew that I would get into some kind of ministry, but I, this wasn't planned. This was not at all my plans at this particular time with, man, there's so much I could tell you, with, with, with my wife and three little girls. This is, this is a lot um, to think about and to pray about. I, I don't regret it at all. I love it and love you guys. But this wasn't my long-term plan was at this particular time of my life to do what we're doing now. But how awesome is it? It's awesome. Oh, well, that sounded bad like I want y'all to say how awesome I am, but that's not what I meant. How awesome, I'm talking to myself. How awesome is this? This is great. I love this. And so don't, I'm not saying don't make plans. Make plans, that's fine. I'm not saying just be ignorant and just whatever. But listen to the Lord and let him guide your steps because in the midst of your plans, he can shift you around a little bit. Don't hold too tight on past experiences or personality differences. He'll change you. He can change you. And don't be afraid to submit to him because he's good. Um, and that's all I got. So if you guys will stand up, um, I want to pray for you guys. We're gonna, we already had a good time of prayer this morning. And I want you guys, I'm going to ask you to be praying for, for this church and for us um, as a leadership team, Tracy and I and then the rest of the leadership team. I've already made an appointment um, for Monday. I'm going to talk to another guy that has a ministry that, that focuses on some of the inner city areas in Pritchard. We've already got um, a few people getting with Dana and, and the children's home. There's a lot going on behind the scenes that are going to be really long-term things. We're making plans. <laughs> but <laughs> we are letting God guide our steps as we do. We're trying, the be- we're trying to do the best that we can um, to make these plans, but we are completely submitting to the Lord and being led by His Spirit in these things. But I want, I want you to be praying for how this church looks and how we, if we shift and begin to change things. Don't bail on me because this is my, this is my first time. <laughs> so we're going to try to move into what I feel like the Lord is leading us to do. And, and it's, I think it's much simpler than we thought. <laughs> and I think it's, it's going to be really fun. It'll be mostly fun and slightly terrifying. <laughs> and so, uh, so just I, I ask you to continue to pray for us and lift us up um, as well as everyone else in here and just... Uh, just, just that we can we can really catch that and, and connect with other people in the city that, that we can we can really make a difference um, to the people that are around us. So, Father, we thank you for this day. Um, Father, we know that, that that you go before us and you prepare a way for us. Father, that even as we make our plans, Father, Father, direct each step. Father, every minute, every second of every day, Father, as we go out, open our eyes to those people that are around us. Father, let us see them. It's so important. That, that we know who we are in you so that we can give that to other people, so that we can show them, so that we can share that love with them. It's not nearly as complicated as we thought, and you were so much better than we thought. Father, just right now, I pray that you would just place people in our lives that we can build up. Father, already create those divine meetings this week. Father, those people that we see, light, light us up when we see them. Just light us up. Father, and also put people in our lives that will do the same for us. Father, we're a community, and we need that. We sometimes we need a little kick in the butt. <laughs> Father, help help someone else just just build us up. Father, we love you and we praise you, and everything that we do, we do it for you. In Jesus' name, and everybody said.
Amen. Amen. Love you guys. Woo.